financial literacy, and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. How are you this fine day? I am good. Did you survive our little snowstorms that we had? Well, you know, I mean, I live in an area right on the river where we have this sort of little microclimate. So mm-hmm. I got nothing. Oh, <laughs> lucky you. Some ice in the driveway. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Well, nothing in uh, the future forecast. So we're good for a little bit. How are we looking money wise? Nothing in the future forecast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was hoping uh, you were going to tell me I hit the lottery. Well, hey, it might be. Um, so money-wise, you know, it's an election year. I sound like a broken record every election year. I say the same things. I'm always sort of a contrarian on this, uh, but it always seems to pay off for my clients. So I'll keep doing that. Um, I think that the general consensus among uh, investment advisors is, you know, don't be afraid. Election years, usually there's some sort of a, a boon because the the incumbent president trying to run again will, you know, will make some monetary policy that will make the market look healthier, et cetera, et cetera, so that they get reelected. It's all about that. Well, let me and, ask a dumb question just to start off this episode, um, and I'll pepper throughout. Do people normally <laughs> make big financial changes in an election year? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't Predicting know. on who they think is going to win, is that kind of where it stems from? I, Actually, what I find personally, I don't know what the statistics are for how many people make big changes in an election year, but what I find statistically is that the common uh, concern is it's going to be choppy out there, mm-hmm. right? The market won't be predictable. It'll be big swings one way or another. We don't know who's coming in. The market likes certainty. So until the dust has settled, I want to be more careful with my money. Got it. That makes sense. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And, you know, some people will take money that's in their 401k and slide it to more conservative accounts. Others will say, no, you know, historically, I see a bump in election year in in the stock market. So I'm going to go and look for the sectors that might be hot. Mm -hmm. Not giving advice here, but let's say it was, uh, for instance, an energy sector or something like that. They might want to slide some money there. But typically what I find is that most people... And this is a huge sweeping generalization, but <laughs> most people do not really manage their money. They really put it with an advisor and hope the advisor's doing it or, or rely on the advisor to do it, or they ignore it. They mm-hmm. put it in their 401k, they make some choice about where they're going to be a 2040 fund or uh, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, whatever choices they make, and they leave it there. And then wait for that envelope and hope the number is bigger than it was before. Yeah, and and if it's not, they ignore it. They don't open it. So because most people don't know what to do with their money, and so the idea that they move to safety is a perhaps a logical one, but also an, an easier one for people to stomach mm-hmm. than I want to move to risk, right? Especially as you're getting closer to retirement, you're starting to worry about you know what if I have another loss like in March or whatever, and you know my account goes plummeting again. Am I going to feel uncomfortable about that. So I just, just on this piece of of today's show, I want people to know that there are ways to still have market upside potential, but to diversify your portfolio or to take advantage of something like a fixed indexed annuity, for instance, and get that market upside potential, but without a huge loss potential in the case of the annuities without, with that specific kind of an annuity, without any downside, right? Mm -hmm. 
you might have as a downside is if you're paying any fees on it. So there's that. And, you know, in particular, I would say, without getting into a lot of details about specific products, there's one product that I work with, and it's not what today's show is about, but since you brought it up, um, one product that I work with that secures people's principal like that, so their principal is safe, but if they purchase the income rider on it, which is about 1% a year roughly, then they, they can get a bonus up front, a huge bonus actually, in this particular case, 30%, which is enormous, and an 8% guaranteed roll-up going forward for 10 years or until they turn the income on. There's a lot of details, obviously. But that kind of thing can be very appealing to people who are nearing retirement or who are just, just maybe more conservative mm-hmm. and who you know, want to move some money to safety, but they also still want that upside potential of the market. And so do they get all the upside potential? No, it's a trade-off. You get some of the upside potential for none of the downside, right? So that's just one example, but many advisors will talk about diversifying into mutual funds or stocks or a stock and bond portfolio or some other way for you to take a fresh look at your finances and decide, hey, this might be a thing I want to do not only because it's an election year, but perhaps in addition to because it's an election year, I'm more concerned about this. So, you know, speaking of things that we tend to ignore, finances that we tend to ignore and what makes them worse, you know, I, I kind of got off on a little aside there because you you brought me there, thankfully. But, uh, but I would say that I want to talk a little bit about the Social Security situation and what's going on there because, well, because it's an election year. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm talking about it is because I don't think the candidates will. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think that that's a popular topic, is it? Well, only once you're elected or before you're getting elected and you're sure that this is going to put you over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in fact, it is a very uh, sensitive subject, and most politicians will not tackle this at this stage in the game. Um, you know, it's too early to know precisely who's going to be on the ticket, but I think we all have a pretty good idea of what this election might look like at seems, this stage. Seems like it might be a flashback. It might be, and and if it is, those two candidates could not be further apart on what they would do with Social Security, et cetera. And in general, the Republicans and the Democrats could not be further apart on almost any topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, to simplify it, if I, if I can be completely objective, I think general consensus is the Democrats want to be Robin Hood and take money from the rich and give it to the poor, and the Republicans want a capitalist society where you know, we want to protect our, our giant wealth because we believe it trickles down, et cetera, right? General, that's a, a broad statement, but something like that, just meaning that they are both very far apart from one another. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, I'll use this as an example. In 2020, Biden came up with a plan for Social Security, and he said, I think this is the solution to it. Now, I'll tell you right now, I don't think this is ever going to pass, uh, with him in office or with anybody in office right now because you need 60 votes in the Senate to pass Social Security law, mm-hmm. and they don't have them. And unless there's some major bipartisan situation, you're not going to get this. But it is worth talking about because just like any proposal, there are things you might agree with, things that you might disagree with. But knowing what might be possible could help you to be a little better informed or to speak up to one of your representatives about what you might want to happen with your Social Security. Mm-hmm. Now, 
if you're young and listening to this and thinking, I don't need to hear this because I don't care about Social Security. It's going to be gone by the time I'm there. That's the whole point. Hopefully, it will not be gone by the time you're there. Now, 80 to 90% of our current retirees depend on that monthly Social Security check just to make ends meet. It was never designed to be that, but it is, <laughs> and, and the horse has left the stable, okay? So what are you going to do about it now? Well, as I said, we've been sort of ignoring this. Uh, in 1985, the trustees started to say, hey, there's not going to be enough money to continue to fund this program. In mm-hmm. 1985, Jeff. Yeah, and we're talking 38 years later. Is my fast math right? <laughs> Don't. Don't test me on math. 39, maybe. We're in 2024, right? Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know what year it is, Francis. I love that you do that. This is 2024. Okay. So the Social Security problem is $22 trillion and growing. Now, to be very clear, when people say, well, Social Security is going bankrupt. No, it's not going bankrupt. It just is being paid forward. The Mm -hmm. people who are working now are paying for the people who are drawing now, and that continues on. So it will sustain, but if it were to sustain over a long period of time, past 2033, nine years from now, pretty darn close, if if, if we don't do anything about it and it were to continue after that without some kinds of changes, Mm -hmm. we would be looking at at benefit cuts of up to 23%. And it's already a very small amount to begin with. I mean, it's really not enough for a person to live on. It's not. It's really not. In fact, that was one of the things that Biden was, was proposing is to bring that that uh, special minimum benefit, they call it, right? to bring that minimum benefit up. Uh, currently, somebody who's worked in uh, worked for 30 years and paid into the Social Security system can receive coverage of no more than $1,033.50 a month. I mean, that's just crazy. It, it's below the poverty limit, yeah. which was twelve fifteen a month for, uh, we have 2023 numbers. So, you know, that's below the poverty limit. He's proposing they bring that up by 125 or up to 125%, which would make a check, if you were getting a check in 2023, and it was, you know, hundred and I mean, a thousand and thirty-three fifty. It would now be fifteen hundred and eighteen dollars and seventy-five cents. This just That's tells me a- that I need to be nicer to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, it's um, <laughs> yeah, you need to be nice to your kids. That's for sure. <laughs> the point here is really that that he did have some good ideas, some bad ideas. That's by my own opinion. You you can make up your own mind, but. Unfortunately, when you put them together, and here's here's a major problem in politics, although I'm no political analyst, but my, my armchair political analyst says, major problem in politics is that in order to get anything passed, you have to try to keep everybody happy. And so you end up with this homogenized thing that often has no real chance of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to pass gun laws, but we're going to let them have a bunch of guns, but not the Uzis. You know, we're going to... to trim money out of the Social Security thing, but we're going to give it back to people on the other end. And so you end up with this these bills that very often, just to get them passed, 
really don't do very much. I mean, some do, right? Yeah, but a lot of them, I I agree with you. They're so compromised by the end of it that really, what did you get for all the, you know, favors called in to get it to pass? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, this Social Security plan that Biden had proposed really had four pieces to it. The first was about bringing more money in, Mm -hmm. right? You increase the payroll tax. That's how we fund Social Security. We all pay money into Social Security in our payroll tax. I'd be okay with that. Well, if you're self-employed, you're paying paying both sides of that. And I'm okay with that. And I am Mm self-employed, right? Yeah. But this was about bringing money in. And so we can go through these things. But this is what I mean. One part of it is to bring money in. But then you want to increase the other things to pay money out so that you can get the votes from both sides of the of the desk, and you end up with something where the math probably doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into all of this in the second half, but first, I want to get your phone number. You bet. It's 413-773-3333. And you can visit HugYourMoney.com. We'll be right back with the second half of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. When it comes to investing, we're taught the higher the risk, the better the reward. Francis Ram, the money doctor, says it isn't necessarily true. We need to remember that with risk comes the potential for losses, and making up losses can set us back or worse, delay our retirement. You've heard the testimonials for years about how her patented program helps people become 100% debt-free, far ahead of schedule. But did you know that for more than 35 years, Dr. Ram has been helping people retire well with Without unnecessary risk, Dr. Ram says most people mistakenly accept that in order to earn attractive interest rates, they must tolerate risk and that choosing safety means settling for lackluster returns. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can earn competitive rates and minimize taxes without risking a single dollar of your hard-earned savings. Contact the money doctor at Hug Your Money for a free consultation. Call 413-773-3333 or visit HugYourMoney.com. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. Hi. Hi. You're hanging in there with me, huh? I am. This stuff gets a little complicated, but, you know, Social Security we've talked about before, and it is a complicated issue. It is a complicated issue, but we're going to talk about it in general terms here. You know, I just think it's helpful, and somebody else actually asked me to talk more about Social Security. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful for people to really understand what's going on. Not just to hear, hey, there's a $22 trillion deficit and it's going to stop in 2033. Right. I mean, I'm making decisions like I'm going to take it now because it might not be around. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to really read up on this stuff if you're, if you're worried about it or call somebody who knows this and talk to them about these things. So I started with how to bring in more money, right? And mm-hmm. you said, hey, I'd be okay with that. So this year, all earned income between a penny and $168,600 is subject to a 12.4% payroll tax. Mm-hmm. That means that you and, you know, me and a bunch of other people, anybody earning, let's say, less than 168.6 is paying payroll tax on every dollar they earn. Okay. Now, what happens after you earn $168,600? I'm sure it goes course, up, right? No, it disappears. What? It's not taxable. Right. So what Biden said he wanted to do was to reintroduce that 12.4% payroll tax on earned income mm-hmm. at a $400,000 mark. Now, this is a little complicated. But so what it means is if you earned 168.6, you're going to pay 12.4% payroll tax on it. Let's say you earned 175,000, that gap between 168.6 and 175 is taxable. But he's saying, "Hey, I want to bring it back in at 400,000." That means there's a donut hole, a gap 
between Mm $168,600 and $400,000 where you don't pay additional payroll tax on it, right? Now, you would say, well, that's pretty weird. Why would he mention doing that? And that's because the maximum taxable earnings cap goes up most of the years, similar to the national average wage index. So eventually that donut hole would close. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon in the future, all wages and salary would be exposed to that payroll tax. So he's not specifically saying, hey, look, if you're wealthy, you're going to have to pay it. Uh, If you're not, you don't have to pay it. He's saying, we're going to do this slowly. You know, we're going to give you this gap between 168.6 where you are right now. We'll give you a free ride to 400,000. Then we're going to pick it back up at 400,000 and start taxing you again. And over the course of time, that 168.6 figure keeps going up, 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 up until it gets to 400,000 and the donor hole is is closed. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean, really? It means that if you're making less than 168.6 and you're paying 12.4% payroll tax on every dollar you earn mm-hmm. and your neighbor is making 300,000 and they're not. Yeah, because, it seems a li- that's a little frustrating. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so again, I'm trying not to give you an opinion, but to me, that seemed like a pretty logical way to bring more money in. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to pay taxes, right? Mm-hmm. But to bring more money in and stand a chance of, of uh, bolstering this this uh, problem we have with Social Security and closing that $22 trillion gap. But then, let's wait, there's more. (laughs) Wait for the Gensu knives. I don't don't know if I like this game show. (laughs) I don't know if I do either. (laughs) But anyway, the second thing he wanted to do, which also seems fairly logical to me, is to shift the program's inflationary measure from the CPIW to the CPIE. What am I talking about? Mm. Okay. The CPIW is that consumer price index that you hear about. Right. The consumer price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers. Those are working individuals, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to shift it in favor of the consumer price index for elderly, which is the CPIE. Okay. So what he's saying is, look, Social Security is being governed by a working wage model and I want it to be more governed by a retiree's kind of a model. And and the problem with the working age model, and the reason he's saying this, I think, I'm not Biden, so I don't know, but the reason I think he's saying this is that things like medical care and uh, shelter and nursing homes and all of that aren't really factored in in the working wage model as they would be in a retiree's model. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is because they're weigh- weighing this, on the CPIW, the wage earners, right? Because they're they're uh, factoring it in. The result is that a retiree's dollar is worth thirty six percent loss. Less, they have a thirty six percent loss of purchasing power since January of two thousand. So over the last twenty four years, a dollar for a retiree on Social Security is buying thirty six percent less stuff. Mm. And so, it's already so low to begin with. So it's, I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. So now that would, in fact, probably raise the the COLA and make things better for people above age 62. But remember, now we might be giving up a little more money. So we're trying to bring money in. We're starting to give it away again, right? By the time you get to his third point, which was that primary insurance amount that we talked about, um, by lifting that, uh, you know, then you're raising what they're getting paid by 25%, but it is keeping people out of the poverty level. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're talking about 21 million people right now that we keep out of the poverty level with Social Security checks. And mm-hmm. that includes 15.4 million 
who are age 65 or older. Mm -hmm. So this is important. I mean, you don't want to have a country full of pestilence and homelessness. you got to do something about this. Right. It's not a problem that's going away. No, it's not a problem that's going away. And then there's one more thing he wanted to do, which is to lift that primary insurance amount for aged uh, people. So if you're... um, if you're 78, uh, continuing through age 82, he wants to lift it by 1% a year so that you'd end up with a 5% boost. I don't think anybody is against, you know, people not being homeless and people not starving and all. Everybody wants people to be able to do those things, I, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, this is what I was talking about. There's a give and take of this. Hey, we're going to bring more money in, but we're going to do it this way. And what, you know, what does the other side hate? Wait, you're going to do it by taxing the wealthy? We don't want that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then, to add insult to injury, we're going to give it away to people who are in the par- at the poverty level or who are older. Oh, no, we don't want that either. So, you know, this is, this is just one side. You know, Trump has his own stuff about Social Security. All the candidates have their own thoughts about what they might do with Social Security. But as I said in the beginning, I don't think we're going to hear much about it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, who are we? We're only the voters, the retirees, whatever. I mean, we don't count. Well, like, this, so this topic won't get brought up until someone is elected because it could sway the vote. That's right. That's right. And quite honestly, it should sway the vote. Mm-hmm. If somebody has a good plan, now I brought up Biden's plan because it was a simple one to talk about four pieces and, you know, some of it seems logical, some of it, yeah, maybe not so much, but I mean, it all seems great if you can make the math work. Mm-hmm. And that would be the challenge I would offer is somebody show me how this math works and I'll, I'll say, I'll raise my hand and go, okay, good, you know. But the math that we know works is if we do nothing, we end up with a major catastrophe, right? We end up with, with 23%. I mean, imagine that you're getting $1,000 a month now on Social Security, and somebody's going to cut it by 23% nine years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After we've had inflation and rising cost of living and your expenses have gone up and all. Really? 23%? So what will they do about it? It's anybody's guess, yes. But one thing they can do, and which we've already seen hints of uh, and, and the tricklings of already, is they can just keep extending the age that you can get it at. Mm-hmm. So you get it at 65, then it became 66 and a half. You know, maybe in the next few years you won't be able to retire with full retirement until 67 and 70. You know, just keep going up, right? And, and maybe they'll do things like, um, I haven't ever heard anybody talk about this, but I was, I was talking to someone about it the other day because they had two ex-wives and they can, and they can both take, get half of his social security because your spouse gets your social security, sorry, half of your social security if you die or their social security check, whichever is higher. Mm-hmm. And both his ex-wives cases, their social security, their full social security was less, less than half of his social security and they had both been married to him long enough to collect. Now, I don't know if when we started Social Security in 1940, but I'm guessing we we didn't expect people to have two or three ex-wives mm-hmm. that were, had been married to them long enough to collect their full Social Security check or half of the spouse's Social Security. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see some things like that coming coming to roost. I, I didn't have a chance to look up the stats on that. I don't even know. I'm sure they exist somewhere, but it would be fascinating to me to see how much money goes out on an annual basis to um, parties who have more than one, to a second spouse, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's not that I don't want them to have it. That's how the system has been set up. But, you know, times change. And it's not 1940, and it's not 1975, and it's not 1985 anymore. Right. So 
you know, we really do have to ask questions about this and pay attention to it or mark my words, we will get a candidate. Uh, we will get a president who we have no idea what their policy is about Social Security. And if they are able to, to uh, get the votes through the Senate and pass a bill, it will just be handed to us. Here's your new Social Security rules. Mm-hmm. So and what then, should what should people be doing now? You know, we're, both candidates have not been announced yet. We don't know for sure. But when should start people sh- start taking a hard look at this? Yesterday. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. You know, we people talk about this. They gripe about it. You go to the local breakfast bar and you hear people complaining about Social Security. But what to do about it is yet another story. And mostly what I hear is that people think it's just going to end in nine years. And it can't. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine this country ending Social Security in nine years from now? Well, like you said, we'd be spending money on other problems dealing with the fallout from that. Well, I I mean, I don't think we'd be quite, you know, a fair country any longer. I mean, we would have, as you said, you know, people in the streets and people starving. and I mean, it's barely keeping people afloat now. And I know it wasn't designed to be that way. But what are you going to do about that? Mm Mm-hmm. We have done some things. We've implemented 401Ks. When we implemented 401Ks, they were supposed to augment pensions. Guess what happened? Pensions started disappearing. Right. You know, this is exactly my my gripe, if you will, about political um, structure And when we get these bills passed because anybody who's ever written a bill will tell you how difficult it is, what a laborious um, procedure it is mm-hmm. to write something that has a chance of getting through the House and Senate. And not getting vetoed at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's so hard, but it's also so sad. And so what should people do? Well, you know what? If you're able to work and you like to work and you can bring in some extra money, I would say stockpile it because it's never going to hurt you to have an extra cash reserve, right? You know, pay attention to what might be coming down the pike because the fact of the matter is we don't know. I just told you about a fairly cogent plan. Mm-hmm. That has probably absolutely no chance, in my opinion, of ever getting through the Senate. Okay. Uh, because, But there are pieces of it that make sense, you know, that people should be paying attention to saying, yeah, you know, should we find a way to bring in more money? Should we be taxing people over a certain amount? How come I'm paying tax on every dollar, but my boss isn't because he makes so much money? Mm-hmm. How is that fair to me, right? Uh, you know, it's just, I mean, people do that. They'll say, okay, what's the limit this year? One sixty-eight six. I'm a corporate officer. My income is, you know, 165000 I think I'll give myself a raise to 300000 but I'm going to offset it by doing something else because I just got an extra 12.4% in my pocket on everything over 168600 mm. Believe me, it happens way more than you might think. So, I, you know, it's social security. I don't consider myself to be a socialist by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, I work in a capitalist society, right? That's mm-hmm. what I, I work with money. But it's designed to help people who cannot uh, live without it. Right. Certain reasons. I mean, we didn't even go into SFBI. But so, you know, when should you pay attention to it? Read up on it. You know, get both sides of the story. Get all the sides of the story if you can. Go to the Social Security website and read what they've got. And just see. You know, what What makes sense to you? And then start talking about it. Talk to your friends about it. Get the word out there. Politicians have a way of figuring out what's on the street eventually. Well, and also, if you're, t- if you're taking a look at any articles and reading any of this and it gets complicated, like it does for me listening to it, then you're definitely available if people need help breaking it down. What is your phone number? 
Thanks, Jess. It's 413-773-3333. And as always, they can go to HugYourMoney.com to get more information. And we will be back next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. Have you heard about Get The Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. Getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, the Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. Tim and I have been, we've been really struggling ever since Tim got laid off. It's been eye-opening. It's been, it's humbling to be in that position. I never want to be in that position again. How do I get out of this? Yeah. At some point, we'll need other vehicles. I want to be able to take some of that car money that we're paying out right now We each have a vehicle we're paying on. Put that in the bank. We need savings accounts, and I think this will help us. No, it definitely was worth it. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and I was feeling sad, and I'm actually starting to feel happy. Relieved. Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented. Financial literacy and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Hi. Hey, Jess. How are you? I am doing good. What are we talking about today? Well, are you going to be able to afford to retire? No. I can tell you no already. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we hope to change that. But that's what we're talking about. Someone actually sent me this article and said they thought of me right away uh, when they saw it because it was it was some research done on how long a million dollars will last in retirement in the U.S., state by state. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of advisors and a lot of clients who think, okay, that's my number. I need a million dollars. When I can get to a million dollars, I can retire. Now, you know that I've been complaining about this for some time, saying we don't live in that little finite box. A million dollars to one person is not the same as a million dollars to another. Mm-hmm. One might retire at age 65 or 60. Another person might retire at age 75. One person might have health problems. Another person might be very healthy. So you can't just say, <laughs> you can't, you just can't say to somebody, I know how much you need to retire, a million bucks. Well, and so. also, like you've talked about forever, too, it, ma- it it matters what your debt is. If you're going into retirement in debt with other things, that changes everything. It does? Wow. <laughs> I learn something from <laughs> listening to you every week. What a novel idea. <laughs> I can tell you that not one article I read about this mentioned debt. Oh, that is interesting. Now, they might say, you know, it's, you're going to need more if you're carrying debt, but they don't talk about how to solve that or what to do about it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk about this article. It came to me state by state. I believe it was um, rentcafe.com did it. So if you want to look it up, you can go to rentcafe.com. But I did, obviously, I don't go from one article. I do a lot of research and figure out what we're going to bring to the airwaves. But this one was really concise, and I thought 
it, they really did their work on this, their homework on this. Mm-hmm. So they cited that go banking rates took a look at how long a million dollars would last in every state and found that it wouldn't be enough to cover 25 years of retirement expenses anywhere in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, you know, Fidelity says, hey, just to quote another source, so it's not just me saying this, Fidelity says, you know, retirement can last 25 years or longer. And the longer we're living uh, and the healthier we are, the longer we need to fund our retirement. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, too, because you don't ever know how long that's going to be. No, you don't. You know, when I first started at John Hancock, you know, years ago, mm-hmm. right, the one of the men training me used to go out and tell people for life insurance sales when they would complain that they didn't like this policy or they didn't like, like that policy, it was too expensive, it wasn't enough coverage, he would say, I'll tell you what, if you can give me your date of birth and your date of death, I will write you the perfect life insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little easier that way. And it's really true. We don't know. So we have to plan uh, for the worst and hope for the best, right? Now, if you couple this with the fact that we have a Social Security problem, mm-hmm which is largely what people say, well, when I retire, uh, yes, I'm not going to have enough money in my 401k, my IRAs, whatever, but Social Security, you know, helps. I'm going to make up the difference with that. Well, we can already see, I, I think a year or so we were on the on a show talking about we what... We did. I remember it well. I remember it well because you were kind of explaining to me where I think like, hey, that's money I paid in. You're like, it's not actually the money. It's the generation before. Right. And I think we were saying, you know, People are all frightened about, is it going to end in 2035 or whatever, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I said, it's political suicide. You can't just end it mm-hmm. and get elected. I'm not on that platform anyway. But you, what they will do and what they're already doing, uh, and this is what we said, I think, a year ago or so, is they will just adjust things. Now you'll have to be a little older before you can collect your Social Security uh, or you have to, you can wait a little longer before you take your uh, RMDs out of your IRAs, right, out of your 401k, mm-hmm. and it's already starting to to creep into the to the rules where that's going to delay. So now we have okay, a million dollars isn't going to last more than 25 years or 25 years anywhere in the U.S. according to the standard living, right, standard cost of living, and we're coupling that with the social security problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the analysis that, that, uh, rent, what is it? Rent, uh, rent cafe. Rent cafe. It, yep. The analysis that rent cafe did assumed a retirement age of 65 or older, and they examined annual living costs in all 50 states, including expenses for housing, utility, groceries, healthcare, and transportation. Now it doesn't specifically say that they didn't look at debt. But when I when I crunch these numbers against the labor statistics, I can see that this was really regular living expenses, what we call regular living expenses, your insurance, your groceries, your health care, things like that, but not necessarily your credit card debt, your car loans. It may or may not have factored in an average mortgage. But the writing is on the wall here that, you know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics from 2020 uh, was what they used, along with the Missouri Economic Research and Information Center. Now, here's what here's what we found. Now, of course, my the hackles went up on the back of my neck immediately, thinking, "Oh my gosh, a million dollars isn't enough to fund 25 years 
in any state in the U.S. Mm. In that problem, and we have a Social Security problem. Right. So, you know, I don't want to just depress everybody. We'll all be j- jumping off of bridges, right? We don't have enough money to retire. But there's there are solutions to it. Okay. So let me just uh, tell you that some of the states, Massachusetts, I can tell you right now, was one of the shortest. In other words, the money goes the fastest. Oh, of course. And it's really expensive. 12.8 years is how we how long we think, according oh. to this, it will last. 12.8 years. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's bad. Now, if you're thinking, yeah, but I can move to another state and have a better standard of living, mm-hmm. the longest period of time that the money lasted was in Mississippi, where it made it to about 22 years. Okay. So that state uh, ranked the fifth best to retire due to affordability and weather, but it didn't score very well in healthcare and overall well-being categories. Yeah, those are kind of important. They are important. Now, you know, where does everybody move? They go to Florida, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Florida, that same money that will last 12.8 years here will last 18 years in Florida. And you have no snow. But yes, but 18 years is nowhere near 25. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe you won't live 25 years after you retire, but I certainly hope that you will. And I hope that you don't live in poverty, that you have enough money to pay your bills and keep your lights on and, you know, do the kinds of things that you want to do in the retirement years. Mm-hmm. So some solutions, and we can talk about this in more detail, but I'll just cut to the chase pretty quickly here. I was in a meeting yesterday with some clients that have been with us three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Well, with us longer than three and a half years, I think about six years, if I remember correctly. But three and a half years ago, they paid off their last debt through our program, right? Mm-hmm. And it happened with mortgage. Now, that freed up about $3,000 a month. It actually freed up more, much more than that. But they took $3,000 of that money that they weren't sending to creditors, and they just started saving it. Now, the guy said to me right away, you know, we don't want for anything. If we want to do something, we do it mm-hmm. because we don't have this debt. And I, I busted out laughing in the appointment, and I just said, I'm sorry to laugh at you, but this conversation is so much different than the one we had several years ago. Mm-hmm. No, you know, they came to me saying, okay, we have debt, we're managing it, we're making the payments, but how are we going to retire, right? How can we pay this debt off in order to retire debt-free? Mm-hmm. Or can we afford to retire? And that double whammy that I always talk about, in fact, the appointment was so spot on about the things that we talk about, I asked permission to use it in our training, and they, they gave that permission to me right away. But in that amount of time, three and a half years, this couple has saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, believe it or not. But in that amount of time, I know you said that they paid off their debt in like three and a half years with the program, which is phenomenal. But in that amount of time, did they not run up any other debt from that point forward once they paid it off? That's that's correct, because they have enough money to buy things in cash that they want to buy things. I mean, he, he flat out said, yeah, we don't take a loan for anything these days. Wow. They didn't save $200,000 because they, they invested $3,000 a month, right? To be fair, that racked up to, you know, roughly 90000 or more. They maybe didn't do it so consistently. But the fact that they got excited about this and they said, the woman said, you know, you get so excited to see the debt getting paid off. You start to adjust your budget. You start to pull back on things just so you can pay the debt off. Mm-hmm. And it's a voluntary thing, but it does have a way of really speeding things up. So what happens is, you know, they started to get really aggressive about their savings because they could see that there was 
a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. The hope was changing from how are we ever going to pay this debt off to, oh, look, our debt is gone in whatever it was, maybe four years from the time they started with us or three years. And, and then we can start funneling all that money toward retirement. So they got more diligent about looking at their investments. We moved some things to better earning places, you know, safer places that generated income and, and earned better than what they had. And so there was a, there were a lot of things going on there, but instead of just hanging on saying we're going to work forever, she is now working three days a week because she likes her job. Mm-hmm. He said to me, I'm thinking about where can I work until I'm age 75, and he's 63 now. And I said, well, you might not have to, but if you want to, keep going, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, a lot of people like to keep active. Yeah, for sure. So we can talk more about the how that works for people. But when you're reading these articles about I'm not going to have enough money to retire and it just seems futile, right? I mean, right. you throw your hands up and you say, I don't, I don't want to look at my finances. I don't, I'm never going to retire. So what? Mm-hmm. That's the mentality of I'm never going to get out of debt, so I shouldn't look at it. And both things are not true. You can you can do this. My other um quick I guess point would be when we're talking about this too, it's a million dollars per person, right? It's not like per family or per couple if you're both the same age and gonna to retire together. I think it's per household actually. Oh, per household. Okay. That's a little bit better they, than per person. Well they didn't yeah, they didn't define actually in this uh, in this article, but I would say that that's per household. Per household. Okay. Well that look look at me. That seems more manageable. Uh okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to come up with some solutions coming up in the second half of financial fitness. First, though, I want to get your phone number. Sure. It's 413-773-3333. And as always, you can go to HugYourMoney.com for more. We will be back with more of financial fitness with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, coming up next on WHMP. When it comes to investing, we're taught the higher the risk, the better the reward. Francis Ram, the money doctor, says it isn't necessarily true. We need to remember that with risk comes the potential for losses and making up losses can set us back or worse, delay our retirement. You've heard the testimonials for years about how her patented program helps people become 100% debt-free, far ahead of schedule. But did you know that for more than 35 years, Dr. Ram has been helping people retire well without unnecessary risk? Dr. Ram says most people mistakenly accept that in order to earn attractive interest rates, they must tolerate risk and that choosing safety means settling for lackluster returns. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can earn competitive rates and minimize taxes without risking a single dollar of your hard-earned savings. Contact the money doctor at Hug Your Money for a free consultation. Call 413-773-3333 or visit HugYourMoney.com. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. Hi. You're still here with me? I can't believe it after I get all that bad news. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. We're talking about retiring and how far a million dollars goes in the different states, and it doesn't seem like very far. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like far enough. It sounds like so much money. And, and you know, your quick math says, gee, I've got a million dollars. If I'm earning 5% on it, I get, you know, this much per year. I can make a living at 50 grand a year. I can live, you know. And then what happens is inflation, mm-hmm. lifestyle changes. You rack up some more debt. You know, the value of money decreases over time. Mm-hmm. We, you know, unless inflation goes way down, unless we start paying a lot less for things than we are today. Which is unlikely. Yeah, it's unlikely. And the value of your dollar, your dollar is going to buy less in the future than it buys now. Mm-hmm. 
So when you think in terms of today, gee, you know, if I had a million dollars, it seems like so much money. I will tell you that in the time that I've been in business, long time, uh, when I first started, you know, 37 years ago, anybody that I saw that had a million dollars was doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a millionaire, right? We say people are a millionaire. And now it's almost rote routine for me to work with people who have a million dollars or more in their, you know, 401ks collectively. And it's just much more common. Yeah, well, it's interesting because the perspective used to be like, oh, wow, they're a millionaire. And now it's almost like you have to be a billionaire to be impressive. Yeah, I think it has changed. I mean, nobody has said to me in a long time, I'm a millionaire Mm -hmm. without that they were a multimillionaire. Right. Yeah. So it has changed. So let's let's just look at a couple of the states just for comparison. You might imagine that the shortest, you know, the the least distance that your dollar would go. I'm going to say California. No. New York. Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Everything's got to be imported. You want a gallon of milk, it's coming over on a boat or plane, whatever, right? Oh, got it. Got it. Do California and New York make the list? They did. Okay. Well, okay. So Hawaii with 10.3 years. Mm -hmm. Massachusetts with 12.8. California, your first guess, with 13.8. So money lasted longer in California than where we live. Wow. New York, 14.1 years. Now, that's not just New York City. It's New York State, right? Yeah, yeah, it's got it. It's it's definitely not Midtown. But the other states that are close to us, like Vermont, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, 16 and a half years, Connecticut, 16.6, New Hampshire, Mm 16.7. You know, these three states that border us got four more years out of their money (laughs) than we got here in Massachusetts. Was the 25 that you said some states 25? What was the 25? No, No, no states make 25 years. Oh, okay. So what's the longest? It's Mississippi? 22.7, Mississippi. Okay. Then Oklahoma, then Kansas, and Alabama, Iowa, Georgia, Ohio, West Virginia, Missouri. All of these are in the 20s, all the way up to Arkansas. Let's mm-hmm. see, Tennessee, Indiana, and Arkansas. Arkansas was 21.2. So all of those states are the longest, and the shortest ones are some of the ones that I named here, you know, including Alaska. By the way, Alaska and Hawaii were both short. Mm-hmm. So, so, all right. So now you're thinking, well, wait, I'm going to leave the country and I'm going to go live somewhere else. <laughs> I do watch a lot of beach hunters and uh, for looking, you know, for a place in Honduras. Well, you know, the truth is I almost bought land in Honduras. Really? Because, oh, yeah. Because the this was years ago. I'm sure the tax laws have probably changed. But the tax laws were so appealing for an expatriate. I could move all. They were going to pay to move all my furniture and and vehicles and everything there. Mm. And I as much money as I wanted there without paying a tax there. Now I'd have to pay it in the U.S. if I wanted to, as long as I was doing it online. And, and many years ago, that's exactly what I was doing with, a, with an advisory newsletter. And, and so, yeah, I considered that. I had a nice view of Roatan, and boy, it seemed like a good idea until I realized well, a third world country meant I had to bribe the sheriff all the time to get <laughs> it done. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know that world. I'm not... I'm right. Not, but if you go to other areas, if you travel, you will find whole, you know, conclaves, uh, enclaves, excuse me, of, of um, expatriates, people who decided to move there, and then they invited their relatives mm-hmm. because they found a way to stretch their dollar or they found that they, they could live as well there as they could live here. But I'm not advising that. 
I'm not saying you should leave the U.S. and take your money and go. Yeah, and I do I, think that it's hard, too, for unless you've decided that you want to retire somewhere warm, if you've grown up somewhere and lived somewhere for 70 years, most people don't want to move. You know, it always sounds romantic. I'll just move to Italy. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize your friends, your family, you know, your children, whoever you want to see is still maybe here. Mm-hmm. You may do it and you may travel back and forth, but most people do exactly what you said. They grow roots, they put them down somewhere, and that's where they retire. They worry about their health care. That's a, a number one thing that people say, when I retire, I need predictable health care. Mm-hmm. That's one of the attractions in Honduras is that in Tegucigalpa, they had a major hospital with decent health care, right? But I was so young, I didn't really care. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm young and healthy, right? So, you know, people look at these things differently. But the point of this entire uh, show today is that no matter what you are hearing about your retirement, no matter whether your financial planner is telling you you're not on pace, you are on pace, whatever, if they are not factoring in your debt payment, if they are assuming you will be out of debt by retirement, and that's why they're showing you that you have enough money, you have a big problem that you need to address Mm -hmm. because you're not working toward an accurate goal, right? And, And that's, I can't tell you how common it is in the industry. It is so common in the industry that, you know, we're sort of a lone read out here saying, but wait, you can pay off your debt because people don't make money. Well, we don't make money on you paying off your debt, right? Settlement companies and companies like that make money in the middle. Don't get me going on how <laughs> and about that. But, but anyway, I'll, I'll Andy Rooney up on you. If you but, but anyway, so there are things that you can do to improve your retirement picture. And one of the first things you can do is to make a plan to pay down your debt, to accelerate paying down your debt, whether you do it through us or you do it some other way, I don't care. But all of those monthly payments that you are making, much of which is going to interest to fund your lifestyle because you bought things, houses, cars, student loans, credit cards, debt, whatever. When you get rid of that, that money can all be harnessed and give you that double whammy effect I was talking about this couple reporting to me yesterday, right? They, first of all, if you're not shelling out that much in income, now we've done this many times just to ask people to pause for a moment and say, okay, how much of my income do I send out in my mortgage, my car payment, my credit cards, my student loans? Forget groceries, forget cable. Don't think about it for the moment. Just take your debt and total up your monthly payments. Mm-hmm. Whatever that number is, let's say it's $4,000 a month, which is not unheard of. It's quite low, actually, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. $4,000 a month, including your mortgage, don't forget. Now, you back out your taxes and insurance, to be fair, because that's you're always going to have those if you keep the house. But whatever that number is, if it's $4,000 a month, that is $48,000 a year that is being spent out of your retirement dollars every year you're retired. Mm-hmm. In order to get that, remember most of your retirement dollars probably went in a tax-deferred account. So now you're going to take them out. You're going to pay tax on that money finally, right? That's how it works. And you need to get what? Maybe 60000 maybe 65000 in order to net that 48000 just to pay your debt. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of money to do that because that's not even considering your living expenses. So let's suppose we get rid of this $48,000 a year in debt before you retire. Mm-hmm. That means these numbers we're talking about, your million dollars isn't going to go to 25 years, whatever. It means whatever you have in retirement is not being depleted 
by our taxable number, $60,000, a year. That is enormous. Mm-hmm. It's an enormous change in your retirement picture. But in addition to that, if you can get out of debt before you're retired, while you're still working, right, and even along the way, you're sort of making a balancing act. As much money is going towards getting out of debt because we can help you find the sweet spot, and the rest of that money is going to retirement. Mm-hmm. Now you're bolstering your retirement account. You're building these retirement dollars faster than you would have been otherwise. And you, you are able to, to make up for some lost time, essentially, and build up your retirement dollars. And then when you retire, you're not depleting them by these debt payments. Mm-hmm. That's this sort of double whammy effect. And it is, it's very powerful. I mean, I think the people I talked to yesterday were really surprised at how much they were able to save. I expected them to save the $3,000 a month. That's that they used to be paying out in debt, and I expected to take the other whatever they took, $1,000 a month, and, and blow it on lifestyle. But I expected that. What I didn't expect was for them to say, oh, we got really so enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. We started the time we started doing extra things. We bumped up our contributions because we didn't need the money in our pocket. And yeah. so they ended up saving quite a bit more. So, I, you know, I hope that this is not falling on deaf ears for advisors as well as as clients because I you know we meet a lot of people and I think 9 times out of 10 people are feeling like there's no way I'm going to be able to retire. I know it coming into your office or I know it's you know getting into a Zoom meeting. So I'm just looking at how am I going to get out of debt because retirement is so far from my perspective right now. I can't think of it as a goal. Well, I do think that a lot of people don't really put, as you've said before, don't put debt and retirement into the same conversation. They think of them as two separate things. But as you're saying, they really directly affect each other. You know, it's all money. I don't care how you label it, whether it's debt or whether it's living expenses or retirement savings. It's all money that that you have a finite source for. You know, even if you're self-employed and can reinvent yourself and make more money, you're still dealing with a certain amount of dollars every month and having to... You know, everybody's vying for it. The, the creditors are vying for it. The grocery store is vying for it. Your advisor is saying you've got to contribute more to your 401k because you're not going to have enough money to retire. Mm-hmm. Right? And so everybody wants your dollar. Your kids are saying, give me an allowance, whatever. Everybody wants that dollar. It can only stretch so far. And it's getting diluted drastically by paying creditor payments monthly. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. I've never found anybody that once I explained this could disagree with this, right? It's pure math and concept. If you go through life ignoring these debt payments, assuming, well, I'm always going to have a mortgage, I'm always going to have a car payment, then that money is never going to be free to fund the kind of lifestyle you want. I I had a woman the other day tell me that she didn't want to follow the plan. Uh, She just wanted it to be very simple. (laughs) And I said, what very simple mean? Because it's pretty simple. You log in, there's a green box, tells you where to send the money. You send it, right? Right. But very simple mean. And she said, I just want to pay things the normal amount of time they're supposed to be paid. <laughs> and I said, well, then you're never going to be out of debt, probably. You know? Right. But it's a hard thing for people to wrap their minds around. We grow up thinking that the American dream essentially translates to you must make payments. Yeah. It's just how we think. And then we separate. We totally segregate retirement. And we say, oh, we got a guy who does the retirement thing. We're all set there. Mm-hmm. It's and interesting. Really, it's interesting, too, how like the United States kind of fosters that. Like I know, I don't know, I watch a lot of house hunters, but in other countries, it seems like you don't, they don't do mortgages. Like you have to have the money to pay for it. Well, yeah, it used to be that way here, too. But I, I know we've done shows on this, but when whoever decided 
and it was actually insurance companies, believe it or not, that if they gave you a, a payment system, you could buy a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened Pandora's box. Yeah, we were talking off the air a little bit about what's happening with mortgages in, in the country, and you know, California has had forty-year mortgages for some time now. I mean, many years because the houses are so expensive. A thirty-year mortgage is too pricey for somebody, even on a high income, to be able to make the payment. Yeah, I was just reading an article on this where they were saying that first-time buyers are increasingly taking out what they call ultra-long mortgages. It said that by the end of last year, one in six first-time buyers had a mortgage that was more than 35 years. Wow. That's just completely staggering. Yeah. And, you know, so these are the kinds of things that we have to think of. And I know I come on the air and talk about debt. I mean, I do retirement planning for people. It's part of our business, right? But we incorporate paying off your debt. And I think that, that that's how you get a fair shake at this and how you accelerate the debt plan and accelerate your retirement. But when I read this article, I just thought, oh my gosh, nowhere in the U.S. is this going to last 25 years. Mm. Well, also, you know, it's interesting, the clients you said that had come in, even though this might not sound like fun, they're satisfied now and even excited, you said. So, you know, it is a good feeling when you see those numbers going down. Well, you can tell when you say to somebody, gee, what you just said was really great. Would you allow me to use this in, in our training videos? And when they go, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, (laughs) then you know, okay, they're really happy. That's awesome. I hate to leave this on a downer because I'm very optimistic about helping people retire, but I just don't want anybody out there thinking, well, I'm not going to live for 25 years, so I'm okay here in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Let's find you Massachusetts with 12.8 years. Yeah, it's not good. All right, well, let's get your phone number if anybody needs some help or has some questions or maybe wants to pay off their debt a little quicker. Absolutely. Or crank up their retirement assets. They can reach us at 413-773-3333. Or as always, visit HugYourMoney.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. We'll be back next week with another edition of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. Getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, The Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. I'm thinking it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 2009. A a lot of debt has been cleared up over the years. (laughs) That has been a life changer. I'm actually retired now, and uh, the finances that we now have set up I feel confident that's got me pretty much all set, I would say, the rest of my life. Basically set me free from worry for where my income's coming from down the road. It's, it's been a big part of my life, the, uh, being in this program. And I'm really glad that we made that contact so many years ago. Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug your money. So unique, it's patented.